Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst, infant toddler developmental specialist, and parent coach. Please, please, please welcome Mr. Tim Bowie. And I'll be hey, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, Tim. I just talked all over you. No, it's okay. I sh- probably should have uh, talked after you finished talking. <laughs> it's fine and I'm not editing any of this out so <laughs> right. so I'll tell everybody a little bit about you Tim and then we'll just jump in okay okay awesome so Tim had his first transcendent transcendent medication med, transcendental should that be transcendental meditation experience at the age of 13 that sounds amazing Since then, he's been a disciple under the greatest Buddhist masters of our time. At age 25, he became a martial arts teacher and practitioner, and he brings the value of embodied embodied teaching and the philosophies of the East and his direct experience through meditation into his coaching and his vision for impacting the world. As a serial entrepreneur, he aspires to bring his practical business experience in combination with his spiritual and count, sorry, and contemplative background to help shift the world into the most inspirational and connected world possible. We need all that. We need connection. We need, you know, to be inspired. So thank you, Tim. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. I love it. Powerful finish up. <laughs> <laughs> I know this start was a little shaky, but you know, yeah, yeah. they just right. recovered. They just <laughs> finished it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you. So today we're going to talk about generational wounds in parenting. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about it. This is yeah. something that I spent a lot of time, you know, just researching, like how the mind works and how it forms. Like, you know, from the age of zero to seven, I think it's very clear that like the brain is very much in like a delta state, right? From the ages of zero to seven, uh, the, like the child mind is like very much in delta state. And, uh, you know, the child uh, is still just downloading everything, like without question. And it, those things later become uh, assumptions about the world because like, it would just take too long to question every assumption that came in. Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of the things, a lot of the experiences that we have in our life um, come to us through that way too. And sometimes we don't question those exper- those assumptions. And sometimes those assumptions can be, it's just as, uh, you know, simple as an unquestioned assumption, like uh, money is the root of all evil, something like this. Uh, if we don't question that, then we have a certain relationship with something just as simple as money. And then we can carry and continue that the way that we have that relationship with um, money down to our child. So it could be something as simple as like the way that we, they, they see us pay the landscaper. And then we, we hand the landscaper some money, but we're like, thank you so much. And then we kind of just like this, uh, Kind of like for people who can't see me, like just 
almost like they have to rip the money out of our hands because <laughs> we don't want to part with it. And they see that and they're like, oh, what is, okay, all right. So this is what we do with money. We, we're just, we, we try to hold on to it. And um, yeah, so I think, you know, just something as innocuous as that can really set the, the you know, maybe like the socioeconomic system, like uh, uh, certainties for our child or your child. So I think, you know, it's, it's, everything that we do, our children inherit, like psychologically, I, I believe. So all the work that we do, also they inherit it. So that's the good thing is that like, as, as they look to us to be their role model. Um, and I think the, how we navigate situations and as we become more, I guess, aware of certain patterns that we're having, like, is this an empowering way to be or a disempowering way to be? Um, they naturally pick up on those things and um they internalize that so yeah that's that's pretty much i think the the essence of uh generational could be trauma or just yeah downloading i guess now you mentioned that from zero to seven children's brains are in delta what is that what do you mean by that yeah so there's like uh, a few main uh different uh, state states of uh brain wave activity in, in the brain. So you got like alpha, beta, uh, gamma, delta, theta. So like theta is like you're sleeping, delta is like you're almost asleep, but uh, I guess you could say, um, yeah, it's like a almost asleep uh, stage. Uh, alpha and beta is like you're uh, a conscious, like one is like your alpha is like you're either like doing problem solving work and beta is like you're just doing something uh, like washing dishes or something where like it's not taking a lot of uh problem solving it's just you're kind of just doing something that's a little bit more mundane maybe routine or something like that um uh, so with i think with meditation um one of the things that we can experience is actually like a control of the state of mind that we are in mm-hmm. uh and Data is actually, Delta is actually a great state to be in uh, to access more of your subconscious because it's a very subconscious state. Even sleep is a very subconscious state as, you know, we, we dream and things like that. Um, and I, the child's, yeah, the child's mind, it doesn't really leave Delta until they pass the age of seven. So, I mean, obviously when they go to sleep, they go to Theta. Um, so there's no real, like, I, I look kind of look at everything like a computer and there's no real, uh, virus scanner or firewall that's mm-hmm. set up as just like, well, you're my mom and, uh, I download everything from you, even your mitochondrial DNA. I get that from your breast milk. So like, there's no question, you know, there's just like pure love and that's just the acceptance of that. Um, one of the things that I think in generational say like wounding or trauma i say that with air quotes in case people can't see mm-hmm. um is it's like the i think one of the most important things is uh like having a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset mm-hmm. i don't know have you talked about this at all on your podcast we've touched on it but let's mm. go you know everybody has a different perspective everybody shares things differently so i'd love to hear your take on it yeah so yeah my take's gonna be probably different from your guests. Uh, I've studied, uh, you know, uh, Carol, I think her name is Carol Dweck's work. 
Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that is interesting is in machine learning, uh, this, is a very, this is a very different example that I'll use, but the basis of machine learning and how they program like AI is they use a growth mindset. Uh, and that's like the foundation of how they program these, these, you know, quote unquote sentient beings is, uh, they just say, it doesn't matter if you get it right or wrong, just try. And then when you try, you get more data. And with that data, you can discern whether you're going in the right way or which way to go from there. And so you just need to start and then you can go. Mm -hmm. Whereas the fixed mindset is defined by sort of this state of perfection, like, uh, and I think it shows up in, in personalities by being something to the order of you're so, uh, you're so smart. Uh, and you know, if they come home and they have, uh, you know, a bad grade or something like that, then like, they feel like their image in a way is kind of, uh, can be tarnished if that's the, 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 the shining aspect about them. It's just their smartness. And just like one static feature. And um, I think probably a lot of the ways that we're raised, I can't say, I can say for myself, I guess, was 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 like this, where um, my parents would, would would really hone in on a couple of features about me. And that would be like defining characteristics of who I was. Uh, for me, I think my parents did say that I was smart. Um, but I always came home with bad grades. So it just made me feel terrible, like just super ashamed. Uh, a really small anecdotal thing it was like, I was really good at finding slippers for them. <laughs> and so like, but the thing that happened that became convoluted was they always asked me to find their slippers, which I love to do. Then I'm like, I always know where they are. But then it came to a certain point where like, they're like, oh, how do you always find them? I'm like, it's kind of in the same place, but I wouldn't tell them that because now it would take away the thing, the one thing that I had right. that so or so I thought. So yeah, I feel like, you know, this, it's pretty much the summary of growth versus fixed mindset for, for me, I guess, anecdotally. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So how can, all right. So we're talking here, um, generational trauma. Now, how does it, cause I know you said generational, but how does it start and how can we change it? I know there are two questions there. Does it start? Uh, I think it's just like a, I think, you know, biologically it's just a really efficient system to transfer wisdom and knowledge and i think everything is pretty much wisdom if we're not the either like a limiting belief that we have that's installed in it so like in the example of money you know having a certain relationship with money that's antagonistic i would i would say that's probably a, a limiting belief or you know a belief that doesn't serve you and then the other one is negative emotion so you know when somebody's trying to rip that dollar there's something that's like in my heart that's like they'll take it from me. They'll feel that too. And so like between those two things, I think those are the wisdom blockers and everything else is pretty much wisdom. And like with that wisdom means like we have a level of like discernment for what happens in life, what our relationship to that is and how to take action on that. But when we have so many limiting beliefs or like a negative emotion, that's kind of just put in the general classification of, of baggage that it makes things hard to navigate. Um, and so I think, yeah, like as a feature of biology, it's probably just like the most efficient way just to inherit all of our wisdom. And sometimes it comes with just little viruses. So I think the second part of your question is like, how do we deal with that? I mean, it's a good thing and a, and a bad thing, like all things. I think there's both sides to uh, the coin. 
And the, the way to deal with it <laughs> is that we overcome it ourselves. And so I think what happens is if we don't within our lifetime, then that becomes the problem of our child. And then it's incumbent upon them, whether they choose to or not, uh, to rectify that. And um, I can say that an example of like my personal life and my personal stories, my parents were really emotionally disconnected from me. And I didn't, like there were there weren't very like I love you not 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 a lot of like physical touch or affection, um, and they pretty much were like yo you need to get good grades stay in the library if you don't you're gonna get spanked and make sure you get good grades and I pretty much did none of those things and so I didn't get very much love um, growing up but I needed to rectify that right so where did I need to find love and all these other things. Um, but then that became my problem. And then as that became my problem, I needed to find my own answer to what is, what does it mean to be loved? What does it mean to give love? And, you know, that's a whole journey and story in itself. But I can just say that now that I have my answer for what that is, I give that to my parents and they so appreciate that. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the beauty of it is that like, maybe they don't get the opportunity. My parents were immigrants. They came over here. They just started working right away. Mm -hmm. They um, were working like pretty much endlessly. They weren't home. So they didn't really have that space. You know, they came from like a war torn country, not that they were involved in it, but you know, that's just kind of where, where, you know, the, the circumstances of which they had to leave. And so they just didn't have that opportunity that I, that I did, that they had afforded me. And so through the times that I went through um, like heartbreak and things like that, I think all these things taught me like my paradigm on love and what was wrong with it or why it didn't serve me in the best ways and my partner in the best ways. And taking those lessons, really reflecting back so that I can see for myself what I can do better. And I think that's pretty much the framework for really like taking the feedback from our environment and seeing how things could be better. And then I think, and, and how that relates to back down to our, our child is that naturally when we do these things, we integrate where we take them internally and they're communicated, uh, I, I would say through the ways that we deal with other people, through the ways that we relate with our child. And so it's really just a process of unpacking what happens. I think like, like I said, like the external world is a reflection of the internal world. And we maybe, Consciously or unconsciously, we may put things out there that, that aren't really there. And I think each time that it comes back uh, and it doesn't serve us, we get to find a little more discernment in that. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty endless journey, but I think the, the reward is that we get to share basically more love with the world and our family.
for me. It's definitely worth it. <laughs> so basically, though, what you're saying is we have to be aware of the feedback that's coming to us when we act upon the world, right? When we do something, because then is that what determines what serves us or doesn't serve us? And then mm -hmm. we adjust based on that. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one of the things that the most, I guess, like core axioms that I, I work with is I say, I think to myself, like hurt people, hurt people and heal people, heal mm -hmm. people. So if I go out in the world and I see that people are, are hurt or they're hurting me, there's probably some way that I'm co-creating this experience. And I have, I've had, I have right now, I'm lucky. I have a beautiful life. Like I have people, like I just went through a breakup, like I told you earlier. And like, I had so many people reach out to me and like offer support, like friends. And, you know, it was just, I didn't even say anything about it, but they heard from somebody else, you know, type of thing. So like just overwhelming support. And, um, and I, and I, you know, do energy healing and things like that. So like, I, I have a lot of friends that like really just appreciate, you know, me because of what I do for the community and things like that. I wouldn't say that like, I have like no hurt in my life, but it's, it's pretty minimal. Like the amount of like uh, negative things that happened in my life. But I could say that before every little thing was, was something, a, a reason why like the universe is going after me or like, you know, like I got pulled over and, or, you know, whatever, like it could just be like somebody cut me off and it's just like another reason why um, I'm unlucky or why me, you know? Um, and so I think as we go through life and we come, come into circumstances that are less than favorable, they kind of inform us for us, like, and there's something behind there. And as soon as we take that, that nugget, that lesson, it's probably not going to happen again. Or maybe if it does happen, it'll happen in a different way. A lot of the times, I think, um, I think practically where generational trauma comes in is through boundaries and boundary setting. So seeing the ways that we relate with people and how we set those boundaries and how we uh, communicate those and how we enforce those, those show our children directly how they have relationships with other people and their friends or adults and um, what could be considered quote unquote healthy or unhealthy or toxic. And so I think those are kind of the bigger areas to look at is like, how are we, what kind of relationships do we have and how fulfilling those are, how rewarding those are or how draining they are. And if they're draining, there's something going on in the boundary setting, either like that we're not exactly honest about how we feel with these people. And so therefore, or they don't know like how to support us or there's something missing in the equation that this relationship happens to be toxic or it just shouldn't be a relationship that you have in your life potentially as well. Right. And as a parent, children are getting all this information and they're absorbing all this information, right? Like a why me parent will probably have a why me child, right? Like with yeah. that victim mentality. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Um. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I, I almost don't want to, like, I guess, put the problem out there as far as like labeling, um, too much, but I, I guess, yeah, I, I like to keep it open, just in terms of, like, if we feel like things are happening to us versus for us, then there's probably things that we can look at, and I think through just reflection and through love, because. 
if 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 the best thing that we can give our children is our life experience, our life wisdom, then like through love, we can we can actually unpack what's happening and 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 pass that down, even if it's like because they don't they don't listen to what we say, they they listen to what we do, and so that doing comes from like internal understanding. Um, so you, so I think like the best thing that we can do through love is to gain the best sense of internal understanding that we have so that we can pass that down. You said the best thing that we can do is uh, through that internal sense of knowing, pass down our wisdom through love. Gotcha. Yes. And what does that love look like? Because the love that your parents gave you, they were little, it was love. However, it was different than the love that you probably wanted to experience because they were working and they were working because they loved you and wanted to put a roof over your head and make sure you had food. And, you know, all of that is love. But what kind of love, like what, what love does a child need? How does a child need to be loved not to experience these generational wounds? And yeah, I think the answer is, uh, goes back to fixed versus uh, growth mindset. In the fixed mindset, there's a lot of um, like singular dimension reinforcement. Like you are smart and you're, you're, I've known you, you're wicked smart. You're always good at uh, reading and memorizing. Um, and so as soon as the, you know, there's a difficulty, it's like, well, I'm smart. I should be able to be better than this. Like, well, I'm not, you know. You know, this, there's an antagonistic relationship with this thing. Uh, I think the answer lies in encouragement, having an encourage, encouraging and supportive relationship, knowing that even if there's a failure, it's not a defining failure. It's just a moment. And we get to learn from that moment. And through that, we'll become better. And it's okay. And so, like, I think the more encouraging we can be, it, it really creates the foundation for a more resilient uh, child. Uh, that basically will internalize a sense of grit as well, knowing that it's not just, you know, the talent that you're born with, but it's also just going out and trying and, and continuing to try. And I think that's uh, probably the hardest thing to teach. Right. I am sure. Now, so many parents tell their children how smart they are. What would you say instead? Because we know telling a child that they're smart doesn't make them smarter. It actually has the opposite effect. Mm. Um, I think encouraging them for maybe like a quality of internally, you know, uh, so like a value that they have, like, or, or a quality that, um, uh, to me, I don't know, this is a very individual, but I would say like a quality that reflects some, some type of, uh, either like kindness or like some layers of their heart, you know? Um, how they interact with other people. I think like social uh, encouragement or reinforcement is, is, is really key. I don't think there's enough of that. Um, and then I think like when it comes to performance-based things, I think it's just like the effort that's put in behind it instead of like the final act itself. Like, oh, you got first place, you got this trophy, you know, and you know, it's really like what, what, what prepared you for that? Because behind every trophy is the amount of work that it took to get there. And that is that had to be more than what the tr the challenge was in order for you to get that. So I think there's just that aspect of what was behind that. Cool. Now, what would you say to the child who came second, third, or last? 
yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's great to put, um, like, a like too much emphasis on being first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like that, that creates that static thing again, where it's like, you have to be the best because I'm the best. And so you came from me. We have to, we have to be the yeah. best. I, <laughs> I think like each, I think if we look at everything that we experience as potentially a lesson, there's, there's, there's some key aspect within the difference between first and second, you know, like, uh, and it's a reflection. So um, it could be like in soccer or something like maybe the ball handling wasn't as precise, you know, like, okay. So like, you know, he, he, or she um, outhandled you with this ball. And so like, let's go back. Now we have some data. We can go back and like, we can work on this. And this is just another element that we can work on. Just, it's just telling us like what we get to work on. Um, and so I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just feedback. And if we look at that, like, into the future, like if they're business people, if they're uh, therapists, if they're counselors, like it's not like the th- the thing that you're gonna just try to do the first time with your patient or your client is gonna be the thing that works. It's gonna be a process. And the, I mean, even if you look at like the practice of anything, right? The practice of law, the practice of medicine. It's like you you do your best, and then you and then when you get the results back, you continue to try to do your best. And so I think that's really more reflective of of a applicable life skill is just taking in that data and learning how you can make it uh, become better because of it or through that process. And that's, I mean, yeah. Awesome. So basically we're talking about not necessarily, necessarily competing against somebody, but competing with ourselves the way we, you know, and doing better next time, instead of looking at this person who got this position, you know, in whatever, whether it was first, second, whatever, but just saying, Hey, you know, this is what I need to work on. This is, I need to focus on getting to a place that serves me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like the competition thing is, is very much ingrained within our culture and it, it keeps us, you know, it keeps us striving. It keeps us busy. Uh, it, It can also keep us, you know, in sort of a survival state where we're always trying to attain and, um, it's, it's, it's endless. It's an endless pursuit. Um, and you know, that's, that's something that we can inherit from our parents as well as like having this relationship where we need to prepare ourselves and versus somebody else when like the only person that you need to be better than is the person that you were yesterday. Right. And so I think you really hit that on. Awesome. Now, Tim, if there was one thing you want people to leave this moment with, what would it be? Um, that's a great question. I think probably the, the essence of growth mindset is that you aren't scared of getting it right the first time, or you're not scared of just trying and and like, it's not a measure of who you are or how good you are, but it's really just for you to have a measuring stick to go out and try something and do something. And I just want to encourage everybody to, to try and just see what comes back and just use that as data, you know, empty of any judgment uh, so that you can go out there and be the best that you can be. 
Awesome. I'm trying to put my volume up a little bit. Okay, there we go. My dogs were barking, so I just wanted to make sure that my volume was up. <laughs> uh, well, Tim, thank you so much for being here. This has been fun. I have learned so much from you. And you're right. Your perspective is diff a little different than, you know, but everybody has a different perspective, right? It's based on how we absorb information, where we came from, you know, and I say where we came from, where we started, what our life looked like, our life experiences, they do shape us. So I yeah. think so much. Sorry, did I interrupt you? No, no, I was just gonna, well, I was gonna share that. Uh, I have like a quiz for parenting on my website. You can go to my Instagram. There's a link in the bio and it's like a 60 second assessment of like the one thing or a couple of qualities that uh, you can take an assessment on, like whatever you find is valuable, uh, you can just select from the thing. It's a pretty cool assessment, but it kind of just gives you a North Star in terms of what you, what would really fulfill you as a parent. So putting it out there. Awesome. And what's your website? Oh, it's just my name, tendonbui.com, but you can just find it on Instagram as well if you look at that, that name. Is it maybe it'd be in the show notes? Yes, it'll be in the show notes, but um, yeah. So, and your last name is spelled B-U-I because Bowie spelled so many different ways. So and then they the, the get the B and the D, and then I was going to have to do the alpha phonetic thing. And then right. it would just be too much. I was like, you know what? Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'll definitely be in the show notes and they can access it from there. And um, yeah, so thank you again. Um, just, I had fun and I'm glad you took the time to be here to educate us. And, um, and to our listeners, thank you for listening to our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, Parent with Confidence. <laughs>